Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You live a more spirit-filled life. You live a life that honors God more. You'll be a blessing to more people living that kind of life. If everybody here lived a life that said, I'm going to be careful how I sow, because I know it's coming back. And I want what I want coming back is how I'm going to sow. It would impact every aspect of our life. It would impact how we spend our time, how we spend our resources, how we treat other people, how we deal with difficulty, how we deal with enemies and adversaries. Everything would be impacted by that idea right here. I want to make sure that I sow right. As Christians, we know to be careful with what we invest our time into. But do we really steer clear of worldly influences? It's okay to have friends and interests that aren't God-centered, but how far can we go before it's too far? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you can't flirt with bad influences. The more time you spend on things of this world, the further you fall from God. Start today on a path to holiness and grow closer to Him with relationships that are focused on the kingdom. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 9 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. This is the same thing Abimelech did, remember? Remember he went to them and said, hey guys, should we have the 70 sons of Rubel you know, be over you? Or, or why not just have me? I'm your family. Now, now the thing that he did in private behind someone's back is being done against him behind his back. Because like we said in the very beginning, whatsoever a man sows, that he will reap. Same thing you did to get in position, someone's doing to put you out of it now. Someone's doing it back to you. And that's what happens. It says, verse 29, if, if only the people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. When Zebul, uh, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaul, the son of Ebed, his anger was aroused. And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly saying, take note, Gaul, the son of Ebed and his brethren have come to Shechem and here they are fortifying the city against you. Now, therefore, get up by night, you and the people who are with you and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be as soon as the sun is up in the morning that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may then do to them as you find opportunity. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night and lay in, and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. Um, interesting because that was, you know, the, the different companies, uh, that was how his dad won the battle. You guys remember he divvied them up and put them in different places. So he took his dad's strategy, but he didn't take nothing else from his dad. So I just, I thought that was interesting. Verse 35, when Gaul, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance of the city gate, Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. And when Gaul saw the people, he said to Zebul, look, the people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebul said to him, you see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men. So Zebul knows what's going on. He's defected. You know, he's went the other side and said, hey, these guys are going to be coming. He's over there. The guys that are with him are saying, look at all those people. He said, nah, you tripping, man. There ain't nobody coming yet. You know, you don't, you don't see nobody yet. And because just the other day they were talking all this smack. And now he's like, no, nah, I don't see nothing. You see? No, nah, you tripping. Man. That's the shadows of the mountain. Relax. Um, and he's going he's gonna to hold them off until it's too late, basically. And I want you to notice what he does. Verse 37. So God spoke again and said, see, people are coming down from the center of the land. And another company is coming down 
the diviner's terebinth tree. Then Zebul said to him, where indeed is your mouth now with which you said, who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despise? Go out if you will and fight with them now. And so this is what he does. He's like, where's your mouth now? Remember yesterday you were talking about who is Abimelech that we, you know, there he is. Now, now where's your mouth? And he's busted. He's like, now, now, now what you going to do? Anybody here been busted like that? Now, now say it, you know, what you going to say now? You know, now the person that you was woofing all this, whoop, selling all your whoop tickets, they right there saying, there he is. I didn't really mean, I was just, I didn't mean all that. I didn't, I didn't actually say that. That's exactly what happens here. And so um, I, I'll share this. I had this, this, this was done to me in my neighborhood. And uh, the guy that led me to the Lord, actually, my little street was 116th Street. And we would end up in little street beefs. So we'd have beef with Ardath and beef with Shanera. These are all little offskirts of my street. And uh, so Ardath, we had a beef with them. The 116th Street, we had beef with the guys over there. But it was one guy that I had beef with, uh, a guy named Joe. And it didn't even start as my thing. He was bullying a little kid. And I went and, you know, did whatever I did. And so now I'm talking all this smack about him because he didn't fight me. He, he, you know, he bullied the little kid. When I went over, he ran. So I'm, I'm talking, talking, talking. I'm bagging on, bagging on, bagging on. And, but I'm on his street where all his people are. And we have a basketball thing going on and we're there. But I got set up. So I got asked all these questions and I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm mouthy kid. And so this kid comes, he's coming up from behind me, but I can't even see him. And then he comes and it's like, boom, now what's up? But it's not just really him. I'm on their street with none of my 116th Street people. And so they got me. You know, they got me that day. They didn't really give me that good, but they got me. But I remember, I remember the betrayal I felt that like you, you, y'all set me up. It, it hit me afterwards like you were asking me those questions because you knew, you, you set this. I wonder how, I wonder when they set this. I wonder when they, they got together before they saw me and they said, come. And I realized I had been had. And so, um, Anyway, I, the, the, the most important part of that story is that me and my sister got them back. Yeah. She was better than every boy on my block, so we got our revenge and it was good. All right. <laughs> so moving on now. So, <laughs> so he, he you know he says, now where is your mouth? You know, are these the people who you despise? Go out if you will and fight them now. Verse 39. So Gaul went out leading the men of Shechem and fought against Abimelech and Abimelech chased him and he fled from him and many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech dwelt in Aruma and Zebul and Zebul drove out Gaul and his brothers so they would not dwell in Shechem. So they've been run out of Shechem. Verse 42. And it came about on the next day that the people went out into the field and they told Abimelech. So he took his people divided them into three companies and lay in wait in the field. And he looked and there were the people coming out of the city and he rose against them and attacked them. Then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward, stood at the entrance of the gate of the city and the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. Basically, people are dying both sides. They're winning over here. They're getting beat over here. They're fighting a war both ways and both both groups are getting slaughtered. Just like God said. The bramble is going to destroy the people of Shechem. The people of Shechem are going to destroy the bramble. That prophecy from this young man is coming to pass. Because right now the war is happening. And right now y'all are getting beat by some of them. And some of them are getting be beaten, beaten some of you guys. But y'all are both destroying one another. And y'all are wiping each other out. As God said you would do. 
Exactly what God said is happening is happening. And I, I just will say this about the prophetic word. When God says something's going to happen, it happens exactly like he says it's going to happen. And I'm always reminding us here because there's so many phony baloney prophetic words and prophetic ministries that we wouldn't despise the real. And there will be times when God gives real definitive, clear words prophetically to somebody in the body of Christ as the word is going forth. Um, that I believe that I, to me, when I've heard words that were for me prophetic, they were every single time they've been some in some way, they've been a. Uh, a confirmation of things that were already being prayed about and, and discussed in private. And it was almost because I hadn't told them and they knew details, the, the answer that they gave was so detailed about what I was privately praying about. I had no question that that was from the Lord. And I've received phony baloney, faulty words that when I heard them, I was like, I don't know where that came from. Let me pray about that. I, I, the Bible says pray about them all. I pray about them. But I've never had one that was just foreign end up being from the Lord. So, you know, but here's the, t- the, the proof test, right? If, if, if it is from the Lord, it'll have to happen exactly like God said it'll happen. And when I look at prophecies, I'm like, he said, look, the brambles going to destroy the, you know, people are checking the people. Are, and it, I'm looking at God. Just what I said was going to happen. It's happening. That was from me. No doubt. And so um, that's how we test. Anybody ever gave you a phony word? How many phony words you get to give in the Old Testament? One. That's it. And then you get stoned. So for me, you get to give you you get to lie on God to me one time before you lose all credibility. You may not speak to me on his behalf. Read your Bible. Um, that's that's just a, that, that help us. That keep us. It'll keep everybody in check. It'll give those of us that maybe feel like we have a word. I've I, I prefaced. I've given out a word before where I said, you know, I believe the Lord is laying this in my heart, but I'm I'm, I'm just going to sh- I don't want to not share it and then have it happen and say, yeah, God has told me that. Um, yet I'm not 100 percent sure. And so I'm not coming with a thus saith the Lord. I'm saying I, I pray about this. Lord laid this on my heart. I believe you laid it on my heart. I'm give it to you to pray about. Um, I think that's a healthier way for those of us that are seeking to move in the realm of the spirit. And we, we want to be obedient. That's a healthier way. It's, it's honest. It's saying I'm really trying to figure this out. I'm not 100 percent sure I'm, 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 I'm growing in this thing. And so, hey, pray about it. Let me know what happens. And they can confirm it or deny it. Someone can say, man, that was the Lord. That was absolutely the Lord. And it's OK. God, that was you speaking. Next time I can say this with more confidence that I'll know that this is you. But maybe not. Maybe someone comes and says, no, that wasn't me. If you get enough people coming back to you saying, no, that wasn't me. You need to pipe down and pray and maybe just give a verse, an encouraging verse out. At least, you know, it's true. You know, um, so moving on. Verse 45. So Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He took the city and killed the people who were in it, and he demolished the city and sold it with salt. Now, when they would sow a city with salt, it would make everything no longer fertile. And so if you took salt, uh, obviously, when you, if you have fertile ground, the, the, the water comes down and it soaks up the nutrients and the nutrients and the, the, all the stuff in the ground make the stuff grow. Well, you sow it with salt and salt sucks up all the nutrients, all the water. And so nothing's going to grow. And so when sowing it with salt meant that it's not fruitful now and it'll never be fruitful again. We'll ruin this land. This land won't ever be good for you guys again. That's what they did. They destroyed it. Verse 46. So don't now I want none of y'all here that got bad neighbors throwing salt in their <laughs> gardens. Don't let me hear about no mess like that. You will reap what you sow. All right. Verse 46. Now, when all the men of the Tower of Shechem had heard that they entered the stronghold of the temple of the God Bereth, and it was told Abimelech, 
that the that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. Then Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and he cut down a, a bowl, a ball from the trees. And it's a, a branch from the trees. And he took it and he laid it. Uh, he laid it on his shoulder and he said to the people who were with him, what what you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. So each of the people likewise cut down his own bolt. And I don't know what they're calling it. That it's a branch, it's a big branch. And they followed Abimelech. They put them against the stronghold and they set the stronghold on fire above them so that the people from the tower of Shechem died about a thousand men and women. And so, again, just like he said, they were going to be consumed in fire. They're being consumed in fire. They're laying these big branches down and setting the tower on fire. Verse 50. Then Abimelech went to Thebes and he encamped against Thebes and took it. Then there was a strong tower in the city and all the um, and all the men and women, all the people of the city fled there and shut themselves in. And they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and he fought against it. And he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. So the upper millstone, these were it's a pretty good sized stone that they would use to crush spices and, and make things. And the, they, the women would use it to mill grain and stuff like that. And she took this thing and she's up on top of the tower and she saw Abimelech and she went bloop, mac, and popped him on the head and it crushed his skull. So that's a death blow. He's going to die from his injury. Don't be offended, women. But in this culture, not much unlike ours, if you are a man, if you're a man, and you get beat up by another man. That's embarrassing, but you might can live with that. But if you're a man and you get beat up by a woman, what is that? That's a shame. It's a doggone shame. No man in his right mind feels good about that. Well, in this time, take that times 10. If you're a man of war, a man of valor, you're going to fight wars and you die at the hand of a woman. It's a shameful thing. It's a shame. It's a shameful thing. That's no knock on you, ladies. Just it's a man pride issue. But for him, he was going to die a shameful death. He's there. He's doing crooked, perverse things. He's, you know, he's taken. He, he took control in an un, in an ungodly way. And God says, "You're going to die the most." Everybody's dying, but you're going to. I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pin you down. You're going to die a shameful death, the hand of a woman. And again, it's, I'm not. I'm saying I want to be caught. I'm not putting down you, ladies. But you guys understand what I'm saying? From a for a man. A war of whatever, you know, how, how, how do you die on the battle? Tell me how your father died. This one lady, she took her, her spice rock that she was using to mix spices and dropped it on his head from the top of the tower. Boop, he died, you know, <laughs> that's how it went down. So it's, it's a shameful thing for him. So not a put down to you ladies. That's just the way it went. So it says, um, then he called quickly to, to the young man, his armor bearer and said to him, draw your sword and kill me. Least they least men say of me, a woman killed him. So his young men thrust him through with the sword. And I, I read that and I thought, wow, this guy is even prideful in he know he about to die. And he's still worried about, um, you know, what people are going to say about me. You know, people going to say I got killed by a woman who run me through with the sword. And even on his deathbed. Right. He's still worried about himself. Here's the deal. He, he's not going to escape. So. He, he's, he, so his armor bearer running through the sword. And so technically the armor bearer killed him, but not really. Same thing for Saul, right? Who killed Saul? Who, who dealt the death blow to Saul? 
Somebody came over and he killed, he ran, saw they said, who, who did it? Where were you from? Where was he from? Amalek, right? God had told Saul earlier, destroy all the Amalekites. Saul went and he partially obeyed. He killed most of the Amalekites, kept the king, some of the good animals alive. And when Samuel the prophet came to confront him, he lied and said, I've done all that the Lord commanded me. And Samuel said, then what is the bleeding of sheep that I hear behind you? Why do I hear sheep? God said, kill everything. You didn't do what God said do. So at war, one day, he gets, he gets a death blow from an Amalekite. And the idea is this, the Amalekites are a type of the flesh. Had you obeyed God and done what God said didn't completely destroy the flesh, just completely destroy the Amalekites, this person wouldn't have been there to come get you. But Saul did the same thing. He called over someone and said, run me through. Run me through so, so, so they wouldn't be said. Doesn't matter. That's how you die. You died. You, you died as a result of what you did. And so here, even though the armor bear is going to run him through with the sword, it's like you died. It'll always be said that he died that way. He died. A woman dropped the, uh, she dropped the stone on your head from the top of the tower as you were at the bottom and you died. Shameful death for a shameful life. You're a shameful individual. And exactly what God said came to pass. You reap what you sowed, you reap. You, you sowed wickedness. You sowed um, treachery you sold and, and all the things that you did came back on you. Even to the even to how you collected the people around you that was done against you. And all it's all come back upon Abimelech at this point. So the young man thrust him through and he died. Verse 35. I'm sorry, verse 55. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers. In all the evil, the I'm sorry, in all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads, and on them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Zerubbabel. And so as, as it ends, the people of Shechem were pronounced a curse on them by the son of Zerubbabel, Jotham, and God said, I brought that to pass. And Abimelech, for what you did, there's been a you know, you've been punished, that came to pass. Really a reiteration of what we said in the very beginning. And I want I want everybody to write down in your notes. I got two verses I'd like us to all uh, write down and just have them for um, have them for our own benefit later. And so first, write down Hosea chapter eight, verse seven. And um, I'm going to read that one to us real quick. Hosea chapter eight, verse seven says they sow to the wind and reap the whirlwind. Um, the stalk has no bud. It, it shall never produce out. But the, the first part of that verse, if you sow to the wind, we maybe have heard it said you reap the whirlwind. Right. If you sow like that, that, that's what's coming back. You sow to the wind, you reap the, the whirlwind. It's coming back upon you. And then more commonly, we know Galatians um, chapter six, verse seven. So if you guys want to write that down, um, I want to read it to us real quick. Galatians chapter six, verse seven says, do not. Be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And while for some of us tonight, maybe that's a warning against how you've been sowing. It says, don't be deceived. And there's, there's, there's three times God says, don't be deceived. He always says it in reference to things that he knows that we tend to be deceived about. God never wastes words. God doesn't say don't be deceived in areas where people don't make mistakes. God says don't, don't be deceived because a lot of people think they can sow and it won't reap. A lot of Christians think, 
Well, since I'm a Christian and I'm covered by the blood of Jesus and all my sins are forgiven, past, present and future, I can do whatever I want and still be okay because God is merciful and gracious. You know what? We all read the story of David not too long ago in the reading and David sinned with Bathsheba and he killed her husband. Did God forgive him? Yes. Did the penalty stop? No. God said, you know, as a result of what you did, David, there'll always be war and contention in your family because of what you did. The sword will never leave your home because of what you did. And the rest of you, if you took David's life up until that point, the trajectory was going like this. You marked that point. And you watch that there was a brother raped a daughter and a son tried to kill a son. A son was trying to kill him for the rest of his life. He had turmoil in his own home, watching his own kids go after each other to kill each other, come after him to kill him and all this kind of stuff. And that's how he ended his life. That's how that's the rest of his life went that way. The penalty was not taken away. And so he reaped. He sowed a wicked thing and he reaped. God forgave him and he restored his relationship with the Lord. But he did reap. And so let's don't forget that. Don't forget. Don't don't think that well, I'm a Christian and I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. Yes, you are. And all my sins are washed away. Yes, they are. But don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows that he will also reap. And so what you want to do is be responsible with that. I can choose how I sow. And even if you could look back over your life and say, you know, up until now, I haven't really sown well. You can repent and say for the rest of my life, I'm going to sow, the, I'm going to sow like this. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. I'm going to sow. I'm going to sow, I'm going to live the kind of life that God's called me to live. And the way I treat people, I'm going to treat people the way I would like to be treated back. And when things happen, I'm going to consider that verse that says, you know, the, to do for other people what you, what, you, what you would like done unto you. Right. That's that's the idea. Like, I'm going to treat you the way I would. I would what I want coming back to me. Right? You did me wrong, but you said you're sorry. I would want to be forgiven. I'll forgive you then. For I forgive you. Let you go off the hook. And if we live that way. God says, that's what's going to be coming back. You'll live a better life. You'll live a more spirit-filled life. You'll live a life that honors God more. You'll be a blessing to more people living that kind of life. If everybody here lived a life that said, I'm going to be careful how I sow, because I know it's coming back. And I want what I want coming back is how I'm going to sow. It would impact every aspect of our life. It would impact how we spend our time, how we spend our resources, how we treat other people, how we deal with difficulty, how we deal with enemies and adversaries. Everything would be impacted. By that idea right there, I want to make sure that I sow right because I'm going to reap what I sow. So that's the one thing we can take. That's the there's an overarching theme of Abimelech, sow bad, he reap bad. The people of Shechem, sow treachery, reap treachery. Zerubbabel or Gideon, though he had done all this good in the end of his life, all the wives and all those people, he sowed that. That was bad. That, that, it created a mess. He created that. Why were there? Why was there a woman off to the side with a with a concubine that was beefing with all the other sons? Why was that? Right? He created that by living that kind of life. He did that, and that came that 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 affected the generation behind him. And so everybody here, nobody can go in reverse, but we can all going forward be careful how we sow. Um, but then let the Lord strengthen you. God, give me strength moving forward. Help me to be good to bad people. Help me, to, help me to do what you would want me to do in all my situations, that, that that's what comes back to me, that that I'm, I'm living a life. I'm living a life and I'm sowing in such a way that because, you know, God is pleased to, to, to allow you to reap good things. You know, he's pleased to allow. He likes to do that for us. But you got to sow. So I, if there's a homework tonight. Everybody go home and sow something good. Figure out somebody you can bless. 
Figure out something. Figure out you, you let the Lord lead you. We all different. Everybody have different things they need to go sow something good. Go sow something. Go sow something tonight that you'd like to have coming back. Do a kind thing for somebody new. You know, do something. Go sow something you'd like to come back and then make it a habit, not a special event. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Bovington with a transforming word. We know you didn't have to come today to hear from the book of Judges. You could have easily switched channels or moved on with your day, doing other things. But you did choose to tune in, and for that, we're grateful. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Los Angeles, California. If you found these messages helpful and encouraging, why not listen to more? You can find these teachings at calvaryinglewood.org. Just look under the teaching tab. You can also download our mobile app to have these messages with you wherever. Another resource on our website is a daily Bible reading plan that might interest you. You'll also find links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So head over to calvaryinglewood.org for all the information you need. And if you still haven't found what you're looking for, just call or text us. Our number is 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. If you're wondering about a way you could contribute to the ministry here at A Transforming Word, we greatly value your prayers and financial support if you feel led to do so. On calvaryinglewood.org, you'll find a Give tab that helps you know how to proceed. Thank you for your support. We hope you come back here next time as you quickly notice the effects of a transforming word.